0: Good day, folks. This is your instructor, Dr. Ben Pundit. I will cover today, we will look at hematology review. Today, we're going to do a little different. We actually will break it up into several videos, short videos, instead of having you watch a long, long video. Hopefully, uh, we'll break it up into different sections, so uh, a lot easier for you to kind of consume um, one at a time. So today we're gonna start with anatomy and then we will go into the pathologies. So it's important to understand the anatomy of the blood. Okay, so let's start with the anatomy. When we look at your blood, uh, 45% of your blood is actually red blood cells. So you're gonna see majority of that is red blood cells. So keep that in mind, okay? The rest of them are plasma, so plasma. You have your white blood cells and your platelet, not just a small, but a little tiny percentage right in the middle. So majority of it's red blood cells. You have plasma, and majority of plasma, 90% is water. And you have other stuff that actually inside your blood as well, aside from your water. Okay, like protein, albumin, hormones, uh, things like that actually floating in your, in your plasma. Um, so keep that in mind. And we're going to cover that a little bit more later on. But one of the important things to understand is the life cycle of your RBC. Life cycle of your RBC. And that's where you start. You start at kidney. Your kidney, especially right by the renal artery, kind of detects the level of oxygen. When that goes low, your kidney will actually produce a hormone called EPO. Hormone called EPO, erythropoietin. Erythropoietin, that's the hormone that's inside your kidney. That's gonna to release to your long bone. Your long bone then gonna produce your red blood cells, okay? Your long bone, which is in your bone marrow, will produce the red blood cells. The red, the new, brand new, spanky new red blood cells is called reticulocytes. Reticulocytes are the, think of them like a teenager of red blood cells. These are the teen, teenage punk rock of the red blood cells. They don't last that long. They last about one to two days or so, uh, floating in your blood. These guys actually become very helpful for us to understand what's going on in terms of your production of RBC. If these guys are low, we know know that something is wrong in terms of producing the red blood cells. If these guys are high, then we could know that could be something like cancer, leukemia, that could cause these guys to go high. We're going to talk more about that later on. So these guys become very useful. Uh, after a few days, then it's going to go into the RBC, the your red blood cells. For the adult, that lasts 120 days. So this guy will put 120 days in your blood. For kids, usually lasts about 60 to 90 days. So infants, usually about 60 days or so. Toddler could, and children could go up to 90 days. So that's about two to three months. Whereas adult, you have about four months. So after uh, after the 120 days or 60 to 90 days, where do they go? So they go to your spleen. Okay. You go to your spleen. So this is kind of uh, the end of the road for them. They say, bye bye. We need to uh, pull you apart. So spleen actually pulls us apart. Uh, they recycle the globin, the globin, which is the protein. You have hemoglobin. They recycle the globin, which is the protein. And then we dump the heme. We get rid of the heme through the liver, through the liver. So your heme will convert into uh, bilirubin and then you could poop that out in your poop uh, in your feces, or it actually could you could pee it out in your in your pee okay so either ways uh, majority of the time is actually your poop, ninety percent of the time is go out through your poop, only about ten percent or so go out through your pee okay so just keep that in mind that we recycle the protein, but we get rid of the heme. okay we get rid of the heme. This is an important chart to remember, uh, that the blood stem cells actually divided into two, the myeloid stem cells and the lymphoid stem cell, between those two. Uh, The myeloid, um, let's just talk about the lymphoid first, Um, lymphoid actually goes into the lymphocytes. B-cells and T-cells, so mostly your your um, white blood cells, your immune system, your white blood cells. We talk about what B-cells does, what, talk about what T-cells does, natural killer cells as well, so come from lymphoid. Myeloid does about everything. You have the red blood cells, uh, you have platelets, and also you have other types of your white blood cells, like your eosinophil, basophil, neutrophil, and monocyte, also part of the myeloblast. Uh, your red blood cells, again, uh, coming from myeloid. Um, your platelets uh, is a fragmentation of cells, fragmentation of cells. Just imagine that you have a a piece of paper and you start tearing that piece of paper into little pieces. That's what platelet is. You have, they come from one big, huge cells and then you actually tear that cells apart into little tiny cells. So the platelet is a fragmented cell, okay? Usually we talk about the, how long the RVC lasts. Um, Platelets usually um, last, doesn't last that long. Okay, Platelet only lasts about one to two weeks. Most of the time it's about 10 days or so uh, for platelet, doesn't last too, too long. So RBC lasts a lot longer, platelet, we constantly produce platelet all the time uh, on a weekly basis, okay, because they don't last that long. So we'll talk more about this. This become very helpful to understand the pathology of those diseases like leukemia, multiple myelomas, all of the all of the blood disease. We gonna look into more details of all of these. So review blood. We talked about this already uh, in terms of what's in your blood, like your water, your protein in your plasma. So you guys could look at, take a look at that. Uh, The blood component, these are good values to remember if you haven't remembered them already. You should. Erythrocyte 4 to 6 million um, leukocytes. Uh, I would remember these as well, okay? I would remember, and I have a mnemonic that I use in med school. Uh, Never let monkey eat banana, said Grandpa Ben. Never let monkey eat banana. Said Grandpa Ben, if you don't want to remember these percentage here, you should know the um, the order of from the most abundant to the least abundant. So the order is actually never let never is neutrophil, let is lymphocyte, eats which is eosinophil. Um, actually, I'm sorry, never let monkey which is monocyte, eats which is eosinophil, bananas which is basophil. Okay, said Grandpa Ben. Grandpa Ben referring to granulocyte, there's only three of them that's granulated, which means it has little tiny dots inside, you're going to see that in the next slide, um, B, E, and N, basophil, eosinophil, and neutrophil, so those three actually are granulated. You should know which one is granulated, which one is not. So. Leukocytosis means you have too high of white blood blood cells, uh, that could mean you have infections. Leukopenia, that means you have too low, which also could mean a lot of things including infections or could mean uh, autoimmune disease or could mean cancer as well. Okay. Neutrophils, I want you to remember that it actually has to do with uh, bacterial infection, bacterial infection. So keep that in mind. If this is elevated. You are gonna know that it actually has to do with bacterial infection. You could see all these little dots here; those are granulated. Uh, Neutropenia—that's mean if if you neutrophil is low, usually means that you have a immune suppressive disorder, immune compromise, or you could have leukemia, which is cancer. Okay. Eosinophil uh, too high, you have hypersensitivity, allergic reaction, and parasite. These three things you need to put that in your head. Okay. But keep this in mind that it's not always the case, uh, that if you have parasitic inf- infection, it may not show in your you know, eosinophil. Uh, even sometimes I did O and P, over and Parasite, uh, that may not show. Uh, you do it three cons- cons- consecutive days, uh, it may not show. And I had a patient who I did O and P and completely the results show negative, and it turns out that the person uh, had Parasite, but. Um, did not show in the O and P. Okay, so keep that in mind. Uh, this should be o- eosinophilia, not eosinophilia. On the bottom, it should be pina, which means you could have uh, very little eosinophils. Okay. Um, basophil. You should know this. You could see in the granular side here as well. Uh, little granulated cells. Basophil has to do with histamine reaction histamine reaction so you put that in your head inflammation and histamine reaction hypersensitivity uh, histamine reaction Uh, hypersensitivity you see that in eosinophil as well okay monocyte uh, usually very similar to neutrophils these folks actually respond to bacterial infection but they usually come in a little bit later on Uh, as you can see they don't actually have any granulated they are nice and clear uh, these folks usually are finding uh, people who have chronic infection that have been doing it for a long time, having these conditions for a long time. Um, pina, usually you have like leukemias or uh, any type of prednisone treatment you're going to see is suppressing these monocytes. Uh, last one, which is lymphocyte. Lymphocyte is, has to do with uh, viral infection, so put that in your head, viral infection. Uh, not specifically to just uh, Epstein-Barr, but any t- other type of viral inf- infection, you sh- oftentimes think of lymphocyte. But again, all of these is not 100%, but just for you, the sake of your tests uh, that for this class and also for your 3P exam, just know that this is a general rule and general things that we will, we will ask you about that you know that uh, what they represent. First disease we're going to talk about is mono, mono 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 so mononucleosis which is kissing disease that's why you're seeing a big huge lips here okay kissing disease uh, you definitely need to know the cause. the cause is ebv when in doubt always pick ebv okay when in doubt uh, always pick epstein-barr virus uh, that's why we call kissing disease because that's how we transmit it very easily transmitted uh, the triad you should remember these Three things, fever, pharyngitis, and lymphadenopathy. That's the key for the, for, the, um, for the triads, okay? The symptom could vary from one person to another. Some people are in, asymptoma, asymptomatic, doesn't have any symptom at all. Some could be sick in the bed for like three months, couldn't even get out of bed. Some, you know, may have a uh, horrible time just for first week, and then after first week, they could completely do normal stuff. So it really varies from person to person, but keep that in mind, okay? As you can see here, 95% of the population has EVV antibody by the age of 35 to 40. What does that mean? It means that uh, by the time you hit 35 and 45, you will come in contact with this virus uh, somehow one way or the other. Uh, you, you may not have any symptoms. Uh, you may not have any diseases, uh, but you actually develop antibodies from this virus. Some people may have a uh, mono, uh, symptom of mono, and some people may not, okay? Uh, we could do mono spot test to see that. Uh, something to keep in mind that pe- people, when, go, when they have mono, you, you could have an enlarged spleen, something to uh, monitor your patient, is that they may have enlarged spleen, and if they do have enlarged spleen, you want to make sure that they uh, prevent them from having a spleen rupture. Uh, 0. 0.1 to 0.2% could actually end up with spleen rupture okay so again like i said we're going to keep these videos short and i'll see you in the next video with anemias now let's talk about anemia anemia so the first thing you should know about anemia is that what cause what are some of the costs of anemia okay that could be boiled down to three main things okay three main things still so, one first one is bleeding Kind of obvious there, uh, because if you, like let's say if I go and stab you, aside from me going to jail, uh, because I stab you, uh, you actually will bleed out. That's pretty much the anemia, you're actually going to bleed out to death. Uh, that's anemic. You have have, have a, a hypovolumic shock, meaning that you're losing your blood. So that's obviously, it's bleeding because you lost your blood. Okay, that could come in cr- acute or chronic, acute or chronic, acute meaning that I just cut you up right now, That's mean you're bleeding right now, that's causing you to become anemic. Chronic does mean you have a small leak uh, somewhere in your body, and the most common place there are only two most common places, one is in your brain, which means you have hematomas and uh, uh, other things, subdural hematomas, or um, we'll talk about that in neuro. Uh, Or you could have in your GI which also another common place where the most common place is bleeding chronic bleeding in your GI Uh, This is where you're gonna do the cold blood a cold blood uh, in your office. Yes um, Something you must get used to it. Okay Uh, as a as a clinician you're gonna be doing this all the time I guarantee you okay Uh, putting on your glove put on that little cape KY, uh, and up you go to where no man has gone before, uh, place, uh, do a little stir, and then you come out, you put, uh, you smear, you smear it on the little kit, the cold blood kit. Um, close it, open the other side, drop a couple, a drop of solution, and they will tell you whether you have a bleeding, this person actually have a bleeding inside the colon, okay, so something you get used to, to do on, a, almost on, on a daily or weekly basis in your clinic. That's one. Uh, the other one is low bone marrow production. So this is uh, where uh, you're, you know, where the source of the production. If you don't make enough uh, red blood cells, that something could be wrong there. Like you have B12, folate deficiency, iron deficiency. You're not making the red blood cells the way you're supposed to. Okay. And the last one is uh, hemolytic type of things where you have destruction. Things are, you you have a normal production or the production is not so great, but you actually have a destroying uh, your red blood cell. Your red blood cell is gone and going bad really quickly and die off pretty quickly, okay? So those are like uh, sickle cell or thalassemia. Those are destruction. So keep in mind, as we talk about all of these, it's going to fall into these three categories, okay? So the first one we're going to talk about is the approach to the anemia that's going to be based on the WHO, uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, so the the range for men and women, you can see here, we look at the hemoglobin and hematoclip. Okay, hemoglobin and hematocrit. Those are the first thing. Also, which doesn't mention here is your RBC. Your RBC uh, is could be an indication of that as well. Usually it's low. Uh, your Hemoglobin is going to be low and your hematocrit is going to go low. The other measure we look at is MCV, mean corpuscle volume. So V for volume. So this will uh, look at the size of the of the red blood cells you do need to remember the value 80 to 100 just put that in your head submit that into your head 80 to 100 okay rdw is your width uh, of your red blood cells your red cells width uh, that goes up if you have uh, any problem your cells have to compensate by actually make the width become um, bigger okay and usually it could be different size as well okay reticular size, we talk about those are the immature red blood cells the first classification that you should know are these uh, we, we classify them by size by size and also by color size and color um, normal cy- uh, normal cystic, uh, microcystic uh, macrocystic okay Hi- uh, normalchromic hypochromic and hyperchromic so cystic is size when we talk about size we talk about volume yes uh, guys like like to increase in size but it's all about volume okay volume okay so V you think of size volume you think of size so MCV is volume you think of size um, normal volume normal size normal uh, micro microcytic which means small size macrocytic mean uh, big in size uh, normal chromic that's color mch uh the value of mch h is for hue hue or color 27 to 31 27 31 that's normal color hypochromic that's low in color hyperchromic that's high in color couple of terms you do need to know you're going to see these on your exam uh anisocytosis and poikilocytosis that's mean different size and different shapes and you see uh, anisocytosis different size poikilocytosis different shape we could actually combine the two together uh, anisopoikilocytosis. those are different size and different shape okay combine those two terms so majority of the time we're going to look at the mcv uh, when you look at the anemias you're going to look at the mcv so the different types of anemia we classify them based on their size based on their size so normalcytic usually is with normal chromic always you're going to see this goes two goes together normal acidic normal chromic microcytic always go with hypochromic as well so these two goes together macrocytic on the other hand you have two things could happen could be hyperchromic or could be normal chromic so it could be hyper or normal chromic so that's the only exception the rest is pretty straightforward normalcytic normal chromic microcytic hypochromic macrocytic could be hyper or normal Okay, so let's talk about uh, different, uh, different size um, of the anemias. We're going to look at microcytic first and then go to macro and then goes to normocytic. So microcytic, which means small size, uh, so you're going to look at MCV, MCV going to go low, right? MCV is low, that means microcytic, that means it's low, micro means low size. So microcytic, you can also see MCH is low as well, MCH, so microcytic hypochromic, uh, whereas macrocytic, you're going to see MCV is high, and then normalcytic, you're going to see the MCV is normal. Okay, so keep that in mind as one of the classifications I will pound with you to, uh, this week is basically based on the volume. So if you see the volume is low, that's mean microcytic, normal volume, no, normalcytic, and then uh, high volume uh, MCV is high, That's mean it's macrocytic. So microcytic, uh, we're going to have different, different group of microcytic. You have uh, iron deficiency, you have alpha, beta, thalassemia, and you also have chronic Uh, anemia as well. We're going to look at all of these okay and look at the level of ions as well they have in these these types. So the first one we're going to talk about is the iron deficiency but before we talk about that you need to look at the red blood cells here okay red blood cells This, this this is not a part of red blood cell this is actually this is not red blood cell but this is the hemoglobin this is hemoglobin that's on the red blood cells okay hemoglobin you have thousands and thousands thousands of hemoglobin on the red blood cells so one red blood cells could carry up to you know tens of thousands of hemoglobin and in the hemoglobin you have two groups you have the the beta chain and the alpha chain alpha these two and then the beta are these two okay those are the protein those are globin the the term globin that's where they come from those are the uh, alpha and beta those are globin which is protein in the middle of that protein you have four ions, so the round ball here is the iron. You have four ions and you also have four hemes, okay? These are the portoporphyrin, portofor, portoporphyrin, okay? Those are the red uh, rectangle here, portoporphyrin. These are the four things that combine with uh, iron to make heme. You need iron, you need portoporphyrin to make heme. You, and you need heme to make and a globin to make hemoglobin okay so in the iron deficiency folks people who actually don't have enough iron guess what which one do they they lack of yes they don't have this they don't have the iron therefore they cannot make heme therefore they cannot make hemoglobin okay so that's plain and simple they don't have iron therefore they cannot make the rest for the most part for these folks um you're gonna have microcytic hypochromic okay this is microcytic, hypochromic, you could see this, uh, these are smaller cells here and then the cell has a a lighter color all over the place, okay, Uh, whereas normalcytic, normalchromic looks just like this, very full, okay, iron deficiency, usually mostly uh, in women in a pregnant years usually have iron deficiency because you lose blood all the time, you're actually uh, losing blood once a month, so you oftentimes have iron deficiency, Uh, so we highly recommend supplementing with the iron supplement Uh, if you haven't taken that already you should otherwise you're gonna have a very horrible time okay so uh, kids young kids also need more as well adolescent kid usually needs more Uh, for men usually you don't need a lot of iron Uh, you could actually have iron toxicity if you actually take too much iron Uh, chronic blood loss people who have Con- constantly blood loss, like in the GI stuff, all the GI diseases, um, and menorrhagia—people, you know, women who actually have uh, lots and lots of blood coming out. Iron deficiency—you first thing you want to remember is actually as MCV is low, MCH is low. Okay, those two are low. MCV, MCH, those are low. So microcytic, hypochromic. Another one to kind of stand out—you should know—is kylonychia kylonychia is the spooning of the nail you're going to see that in the next picture Coilonicia. uh the other one you should remember is the shiny red no tongue shiny red no papalli tongue you could see the tongue is nice and smooth nice and smooth, it's nice and red as well. So that's a sign of iron deficiency. So these two are the key symptoms that you definitely need to know for your test. Other things kind of you could figure it out, like fatigue, if you don't have enough iron, you, not, you don't have enough red blood cells, you're going to become fatigued. Uh, your heart going to beat faster because of the volume that you have. Okay, the rest is pretty easy to remember. The other one is pica. You could actually get pica because uh, you you don't have iron, so you kind of crave the mineral and iron uh, some pregnant women actually go through this and then they would go and eat dirt uh, they have a dirt sandwich uh, quite interesting and i told them you know let's switch from your dirt to an uh, iron pill uh, just i'll give you the iron pill you don't have to eat dirt how's that sound okay so uh the other thing that you can get is called angostomatitis which is look like this uh, on the corner of the mouth uh, please notice that this is not herpes. Herpes is actually have a yellow vesicle around the corner of the mouth. Yellow vesicles, whereas this is nice. Uh, is kind of dry, more dry. Uh, it's not; It doesn't have any fluid-filled type of vesicles in there. So it's nice and dry, similar to your canker cell, which is inside your mouth. Okay, That's the ankylostomatitis. So another symptom to remember for the iron deficiency is ankylostomatitis. So for iron deficiency, you need to know, first one is uh, your iron level is low. Obviously, pretty easy to remember because it's iron deficient, your iron level is gonna go low in the first place. Second thing that's gonna happen is your TIBC. TIBC, the way I remember, T is for transfer. So think of them like a truck. T for truck, three for transfers. So these transfer gonna go up, your uh, your TIBC level gonna go up, okay, in your iron deficiency. Uh, and then your storage, which is the ferritin, your, where you store your iron, your warehouse, is going to have none, or it's going to be low. So kind of kind of makes sense if you kind of follow this. If you have iron deficiency, you're going to not going to keep anything in your storage. You're going to pour everything out. You're going to put in in a, a truck, transfer it to all of your cells, so your cell could use it. Okay. So therefore, you're going to see low level of iron in your blood, no level or low level of ferritin, which is your store. A storage, and then your TIBC will go up, okay? There's a difference between that and the chronic blood loss. So we talked about this already, iron deficiency, your iron going to go low, your TIBC going to go up, and your ferritin going to go down, but where in your chronic blood loss, so if you have like chronically bleeding out, your iron also going to go low, but your TIBC is going to go down because your body keeps thinking, I need to save this up. For the rainy days, we don't know what's going to happen. We need to save this up for the rainy days. So your ferritin level is going to go up. Your TIBC is going to go down. Okay. So iron deficiency, this is what you're going to see for iron deficiency. The other thing you want to remember is the transferrin saturation. Transferrin saturation is going to go lower as well because your iron this is the ratio of iron divided by TIBC your iron level goes down your TIBC goes up and your transfer in saturation gonna go down okay so keep keep remember this okay that's one of the keys uh you could iron deficiency definitely could be uh definitely could be uh, asymptomatic so you definitely need to keep that in mind Okay, can happen in kids as well. So it could be in happen again. Kids do need iron. So if they without lack of iron, um, you could have a whole bunch of problems. Okay, we'll continue that in the next video. Let's continue on talk about the anemia of chronic disease. Okay, we already talked about iron deficiency, um, kind of somewhat chronic as well. Uh, because it's gonna take a long time It actually not just happen overnight so anemia chronic disease uh, so this is aside from iron deficiency there's other disease that actually aside from those okay so chronic blood loss you need to think that it's actually a long-term kind of losing blood like I mentioned before um, usually is uh, in your GI so you're gonna do the cold blood test in your GI to see what's going on in there um, definitely your iron reserve could become depleted because uh, you're just constant, constantly losing that blood, constantly losing that blood. So you could actually lose uh, the iron that you have reserved as well. So your MCV is going to be low and your MCH is also going to be low, just exactly like the iron deficiency. Okay. So when you look at the MCV, you're going to see that's low, so you know it's microcytic. In the, Under microcytic, you have you know iron deficiency. That's the first thing that should come into your head. Uh, you know microcytic you think of iron deficiency okay then you're gonna look at what type of iron um, what kind of what type of deficiency is it iron deficiency is it chronic blood loss or is it other type of uh, chronic anemias okay so after you uh, when you think about chronic anemias you could again think of infections inflammatory uh, slow leak that's the first thing you should think of think about but you have iron deficiency chronic uh, blood loss okay uh, aside from iron deficiency so to confirm iron deficiency again you could look at the the iron level you could also look at the tipc you could look at the ferritin level all of those will tell you what type of anemia you're handling with are you talking about chronic type of anemia are you talking about iron deficiency if it's iron deficiency your iron is low your uh, ferritin is going to be low and your TIBC is going to be high, whereas the chronic uh, blood loss, chronic anemias like these, you're going to have the low TIBC and high ferritin, going to be opposite. Okay, so with the chronic, with the first one we're going to talk about is um, an anemial chronic disease, going to be the same thing, you're not going to have the iron. Uh, you're not gonna have the iron, but it's gonna be the opposite. Your TIBC is gonna be low, but your ferritin is gonna go up. Therefore, your uh, your ferritin saturation is also gonna be low. Remember, this is based on your uh, your iron level divided by TIBC. So if your iron is low and your TIBC is low, both of them are gonna drive down the uh, transferrin saturation as well. Both of them. Uh, we you may not see as much as the iron deficiency transferrin saturation for iron deficiency will go down even more because your TIBC goes up. When your TIBC, when the the denominator becomes bigger, then that means you have a smaller value. So think about, you know, you have the top part, you have number one, but on the bottom, instead of one, becomes two, become three, become four, then you actually have a smaller and smaller number. So again, with the iron deficiency, the transferrin is going to be a lot lower comparing to the chronic deficient chronic disease, okay. So the first one we're going to talk about is sideroblastic anemia. Sideroblastic anemia looks like this. With sideroblastic, which is quite interesting, uh, you're not going to have portoporphyrin, which is these guys here, these uh, uh, rectangle guy, okay. If you don't have that, you cannot make heme, to begin with, definitely you cannot make heme, but the problem with that is if you don't have this, you have iron, tons of iron floating around in your body, so this, these folks, with sideroblastic anemia, you're going to have a whole complete different uh, blood work, you're going to see your iron level goes up, and it's going to keep building up, keeps going up, because you don't have the port uh, to actually bind with the iron. make the heme and to make the hemoglobin you have the globin but you cannot make the heme because you don't have this guy you don't have this red square therefore you have uh, iron toxicity in these folks you're going to see the higher iron level goes up and then you could become uh, iron toxicity Uh, you're still not going to make heme so therefore therefore they can become anemic as well okay so very very classic condition Uh, so these folks you're going to see Hematocrit is down. Uh, you're gonna see the MCV is low, uh, MCH is low, but the level of iron gonna go up. So that will tell you that definitely this person has sideroblastic anemia. Um, you're gonna have the rings uh, sideroblast in the bone marrow. That's the cause. Very common cause. The other one is the bios, the heme biosynthesis. Okay, well, you're gonna see this in the um, the smear. You could look at the smear. You could look at the um, the level as well the high level of iron in in, in the blood uh, other uh, other things that could cause it uh, usually usually like drugs like alcohol um toxin like um lead or zinc toxin could actually cause this as well okay the next one is thalassemia thalassemia uh, in, we talk about the iron. You don't have the iron. You don't have the por- porphyrin already. Now, thalassemia is going to be different. It's actually you're not going to have globin. Globin. You're not going to have the protein that you need. Okay. Oops. Let's go back. Let's go back. Not go forward. Okay. So you're not going to have the the globin. Therefore, you're not going to have the protein to combine with the heme to make hemoglobin. So. um so this is a, a good classification to remember for uh, for microcytic anemia. First, you don't have the iron, which is the, uh, you could have the iron deficiency, or you could have the chronic blood loss. Next, you don't have the portoporphyrin, which means you don't have, uh, that's sideroblastic. And the last one is thalassemia, you don't have the globin to make the hemoglobin. Uh, these thalassemia could actually uh, end up in two types. There are two types, one is called the alpha, and the other one is beta and the way you test for them is uh, for beta you're going to use uh, hemoglobin electrophoresis to actually look at uh, to test for beta and then for alpha you're going to use uh, hemoglobin H beta 4 prep and DNA analysis to actually test for alphas that are seniors. okay again they, they're going to have poikos, uh, poikilocytosis That means it's very different size um, Basophilic stripling, um, we're going to talk more about that in, sh- in shortly. Uh, that's one of the key terms you should uh, underline Okay, with thalassemia and one of the huge key term, basophilic stripling. Okay, that's a key term you should know in thalassemia. Uh, that's when you see this term, basophilic stripling, you always think of thalassemia, always think of thalassemia. So you see that on your exam, basophilic stripling, that's thalassemia. Okay. So that's a key term you should put in your head. The next group that we're going to talk about is macro, macrocytic. So instead of microcytic, now we're going to have macrocytic. Big cells, big huge cells. Okay. Macrocytic usually divided into two, two big ones, which is one is B12 deficiency or the uh, folate deficiency. So microcytic, you have several, you have iron deficiency, you have chronic blood loss, you have Sideroblastic, uh, you have thalassemia, all of those are microcytic, this one is macrocytic, you have two, um, B12 deficiency and uh, folate deficiency, okay, so for B12, B12 again is the macrocytic, so MCV is high, MCH could be normal or could be high, okay, so it could be high, uh, elevated or it could be normal. Either one of those two. Key thing to remember for uh, B twelve or cobalamin uh, deficiency is called we call that pernicious anemia. Pernicious anemia is a name for B twelve deficiency. Uh, is intrinsic factor? Intrinsic factor. What is that? Uh, intrinsic factor is actually in your stomach. Okay, it's in your stomach, it's a factor that you used in your stomach to actually absorb B12. Intrinsic factor also very important in terms of releasing a hydrochloric acid. It's a part of the parietal cells that will help you release a hydrochloric acid. So without this uh, intrinsic factor usually you born without this which is uh, autoimmune disease you will have an antibody for this uh, that will destroy the uh, the antibody will destroy this uh, intrinsic factor in your body okay so therefore you cannot absorb B12 so other things that could absor- uh, could cause this is this is something to keep in mind uh, with metformin. So if you actually give metformin to your patient for a long period of time, two or three years, you want to check to see whether they could actually develop um, pernicious anemia. Pernicious anemia. So make sure that they do not develop pernicious anemia. Okay, and if they do, you need to actually give them a little shot of B12. So what B12 does is actually help convert uh back and forth homocysteine and methionine. So convert these two. So without this conversion, you actually will uh will actually have problem with demyelination of your DNA. So your DNA becomes demyelinated. So keep that in mind. That's one of the biggest things for B12. So if you have problem uh with pernicious anemia, the symptom, one of the symptoms that you're gonna see is you're gonna see the new neurological disorder. You're gonna see where the problem is uh, with paresthesia which means you have numbing of your fingers and toes. Uh, in this one, you could see if you have folic acid deficiency, even though in the book we'll say that uh, folic acid will not lead to this, but uh, in here you could see clearly that folic acid leads to glossitis. Folic acid deficiency actually lead to glossitis. Uh, cobalamin which is b12 deficiency lead to demyelination and also lead to that paresthesia paresthesias so in your book uh, if you read your book uh, it actually will say glossitis as a part of the b12 deficiency as well but technically it can be because it's you have b12 deficiency it could lead to folic acid deficiency and eventually you get glossitis glossitis is inflammation of your tongue okay so remember trying to differentiate this and the red tongue with no papillae. If, do you remember what disease that come from? We just mentioned that up uh, uh, in the other video. Yes, it's from iron deficiency. If you have iron deficiency your tongue will be nice and smooth, no papillae and it's also going to be, become red. But the redness doesn't mean you actually have inflammation. This one is inflammation. You have constantly red and the difference is you could see in that this one you still see the papillae. Uh, There's little bumps on your tongue. The other one you won't really see the bump on the tongue. It will not be nice and smooth. Okay. So with the macrocytic, you're gonna have the high MCH, uh, high MCV, and a normal or high MCH. Okay. You're gonna see in the low serum B12. You're gonna see in positive intrinsic factor antibody serum in your blood so you could test for the positive antibody as well as you could test for the b12 okay so b12 deficiency of all of this you uh, you could do the um, Schilling test to see whether you have uh, pernicious anemia uh, from other causes and you could if you want to treat, uh, treat it don't give them the pills oral pills of b12 you need to inject them with b12 uh, there are different kinds of B12 as well. Hopefully, you cover that in your farm class. Um, so, keep that in mind as a couple of types. So, megaloblastic smear this is what it looks like. Uh, so, what, what happened with megaloblastic um, anemias is technically speaking, uh, your body become compensated. Okay, compensated because you your body uh, doesn't have the B12 to actually carry. Um, doesn't have uh, the the b12 cannot absorb b12 therefore um, c- cannot uh, absorb the component that actually make hemoglobin to actually help um, put the, the the color to to the cells so your your body compensate by since it cannot carry those oxygen you have less chance of carrying those oxygen your cells become bigger macrocytic uh, you actually become bigger to hopefully, hope hope. hope hoping to actually carry more oxygen throughout your body okay so key symptom to remember is paresthesia on your finger and your toes uh, spastic of flaccid paralysis you could actually have those again it has to do with neurological symptoms so anything that has to do with neurological could could lead to that folic deficiency uh, basically you don't eat enough eat enough folate folate is in your bean lentils asparagus so eat more greens you will get folate so um, for most part uh, that's the only way you become fol- uh, folate deficiency unless you have b12 deficiency okay so just have if they do have one without b12 then you just tell people to eat more beans for women uh, become a big problem you, you have folate deficiency you could get bite um, uh, you could have de- um, birth defects especially during pregnancy uh, if you have lack of folate uh, you could have a spinal bifida uh, an opening of that spine you could have mouth deformation of your baby, so that's why we put that in your prenatals okay so hopefully you keep uh, make sure that they they take those. the next one is normalcytic and we'll talk about that in next video and now we're gonna talk about the normalcytic normal chromic okay so with the previous two, the microcytic, the macrocytic, your cell had uh, compensate by become bigger or smaller and create more size or whatnot. Uh, your cell has been has changed to compensate. for what's actually going on? Whereas normalcytic, your cell hasn't really changed. Everything actually stays in the same size, same color. So your cell either didn't have enough time to change it or something is so wrong that actually make it impossible for your cell to change to compensate, to adapt to what's going on. Okay, so we're going to talk about some of those. The first one we're going to talk about is the acute blood loss. Acute blood loss, basically, if I stab you, like I said mentioned earlier, if I stab you or cut you, what you're going to see is you're going to see that you're losing a lot of blood and you, become, uh, you have this acute blood loss. So your cell has to literally have time to adapt uh, to the, the loss of the blood. So that while you're going to see a normal acidic, a normal chromic, your MCV is going to become normal, your MCH is going to be normal. So uh, in this category, you sh- want to keep thinking about acute blood loss, that's one, and then you're going to have aplastic anemias and post hemorrhagic type of blood loss. So these are the categories that you want to keep in mind uh, when we talk about uh, normalcytic and normal chromic. Okay, so any type of trauma, peptic, also hemorrhoids. I mean, you really need to have like explosive type of hemorrhoids to lose a lot, of, a lot of blood to actually have to become anemic. Uh, just a little, a little blood, uh, just a little pipe wouldn't do. Uh, unless you have a constantly, every day you have that explosive hemorrhoid uh, just kind of bleeding out like crazy every day, then you're going to have acute blood loss. But eventually you become chronic because then you know, you're know you losing blood so much, eventually you will going to end up with microcytic and micro uh, hypochromic instead. Okay, same thing with GI bleed. If it's just acute type of thing, then you're going to see that. But if it's chronic, then you're going to become uh, microcytic instead. Okay, if you lose a lot of blood, again, what, what is your kidney going to produce? This is one of the first thing I covered this week, is EPO, yeah, so electropoietin. They're going to lose uh, erythropoietin, so then your bone marrow will be, produce more blood in a week. Other category, we're going to look at all these, uh, other category you, you want to know, aside from acute blood loss is aplastic anemia. That's the last one we will talk about. Aplastic anemias. Those are like leukemias, um, thrombocytopenia, other type of, uh, cancers type, uh, that cause your blood to actually, uh, losing blood or you're, you're, you're not producing a normal size blood. Post-hemorrhagic anemia, so after surgery, we see this a lot, you losing too much blood in surgery. This is one of the important things that you actually count how much blood you lose during surgery because you could end up with hypovolemic shock. Also, post-surgery, you could actually want to see how much blood you're still losing. If you lose too much blood, you could end up with post-hemorrhagic anemia. Hemolytic anemias would be like destruction, like sickle cell we talked about before. Uh, you know these would be under hemolytic anemias, okay, and you could have anemia of chronic in- inflammation as well. We talked about sickle cell before, uh, hemoglobin S. Uh, remember, it's a point mutation that caused uh, one. What does that mean? Point mutation, one letter change. You change that one letter, uh, causing going from the glutamate to valine. So you literally changed uh, the structure of your DNA, which uh, changed your cells, okay. Uh, so this is um, you could have transfusion therapy, uh, hydroxyurea. That's uh, that's basically giving the hemoglobin F uh, F for pregnant um, blood uh, that will would, would help carry more oxygen to the rest of your cell. Magnesium as well, uh, and i'm not sure you actually you guys follow news last last year uh right before all of this uh craziness with pandemic uh we actually came up with a uh with a successful therapy uh, that actually trialed on human who has sickle cell anemia and then we completely cure her completely cure. she actually cured from sickle cell uh, we used the CRISPR gene therapy uh, to actually go and modify the gene. Remember, this is one missing letter, so we could actually go in and modify the rest of her gene, making sure that she reproduced the uh, the solid uh red blood cells, um, t- giving her the correct protein to tell your body to make the correct type of red blood cells. And it was successful um, at uh, UMass, I believe was, uh, was, was trialed there and then actually became successful. Uh, they make the news last, toward the end of last year. So hopefully we're going to see more of those treatment in the near future once it's approved by FDA. So that's a great news. So this could be a, uh, a disease of, uh, of the past that we actually, uh, could actually cure it now at this point. Okay, so sickle cell. So these questions, what I want you to do is to look at these and determine what type of uh, anemia is it. Uh, you know, is it macrocytic, microcytic? Is it normalchromic? What type of anemias do you see? Point out what kind of things that went wrong, which we which just go up, which just go down, so kind of go... Uh, do that, and what I, what I want you to do is write that on the comment section of this video. Write down that comment section of, of this video, telling me uh, which one is up, which one is down, which one is wrong. What kind of di- uh, which, what kind of diagnosis do you see? Okay, and same thing with this one. You could pause this video and then look at them and study them. Uh, tell me what's wrong. You can't really tell me in terms of really specific uh, because I. You know, there's no other values like ferritin and iron and all, all of those other stuff, but you should be able to tell me what whether is, uh, what kind of anemia that is uh, and what kind of, what type of anemia is, do you see here, uh, macrocytic, microcytic, hypochromic, hyperchromic, all of those fun stuff, okay? So comment that below down on this video and and we will move on and we'll finish off this one, uh, white blood cells uh, disorder. We're going to go into a lot more in terms of white blood cell disorder um, and actually not, uh, red blood cells and white blood cells as well, okay? We're going to talk about leukemia later on. But for this one, um, you're going to look at neutropenia, which means you actually have low level of neutrophils, okay? Um, you may have other problems like splenomegaly, bone pain. Um, this is caused, again, by different drugs, toxin uh, that could actually cause to lower your your white count lower lower your neutrophils usually could you know a signs of uh, some type of um, cancer also could be a sign of drugs as well autoimmune diseases could actually link to this like sle uh, could actually link to this Uh, felty syndrome uh, could link to this as well so something to keep in mind uh, other drugs that could induce this you have a whole bunch of medication from you know, from thyroid meds to antibiotics to seizure medication so all kinds of things uh, So something to keep in mind that certain medication you prescribe could actually lower the uh, the neutrophil counts We'll talk about cancer really quick uh, hopefully in the next uh, few minutes so I would highly recommend reading that in your book. There's actually a whole big chapter on cancer and, you know, definitely the time that I'm covering here is not gonna really dive into the book uh, as much, but I do highly recommend to uh, read up to those things read up those chapter about cancer uh, we're going to talk more about cancer throughout the whole entire um, class because it's going to be in your brain in your heart in your GI all of those things could have cancer so your lungs as well so um, so read, read up on those uh, this is just a quick quick summary of what you or what your uh, book actually have to offer so please uh read up to those. So, so first of all you need to understand what is cancer what is cancer cancer is actually your normal ge- your your normal cells that actually gone crazy and there's different things that actually could cause uh cancer we kind of covered that in chapter 1 a topic one it's just you know from chemicals around you that could cause you to go crazy uh, with, um, that could cause your cell to go crazy you could have um plastics um, which is uh, horrible things uh very useful things, but it could be horrible at the same time. Plastic, for those of you who don't know, plastic is a byproduct of your gasoline, of your crude oil. When we make, uh, when we take crude crude oil and then we, we refine the crude oil to make gasoline, one of the byproducts that uh, from that is plastics. Um and plastic doesn't give off any carbon emission, which is great, but what it does is actually killing the environment in different ways. One's is actually uh it mimics the uh, hormone receptor, which means that uh things that we use could actually mimic um make you have problem with your hormones. Uh you probably heard of BPA, right? BPA we found out about BPA since 1960s, 1960s, and look at how long it takes us to actually stop people from producing BPA. Uh, we found out how bad it is since 1960, but it's become hush hush. Not until 1980s and even 90s uh, into 2000, where Oprah then you know start uh, avoiding BPA, then everyone, oh wow, BPA. Um, now uh, we actually ban bpa from a lot of things but now there's bpb bpd bpe so there's a lot of things that is still out there same thing with um uh same thing with um ddt uh, ddt is one of the um you know insecticides we kill we kill uh, insect with DDT uh, we banned DDT since 1960 1970s but here in this uh, here in this country uh, but we actually the, the chemical industry actually used DDE instead uh, not DDT but DDE instead and still pretty harmful um, but the funny thing is we we find ddt in the air here in in in, Ar- in phoenix in arizona and majority of it actually come from mexico or it's actually the wind blew up from the mexico and then carry some of those particles up here as well so there's a lot of things that could actually uh, cause cancer. It's just even sun tanning, uh, it could actually cause cancer. It could cause a kink in your DNA, a little kink, uh, messed up your, your uh, genome, your, um, your DNA and then cause your DNA to go on haywire and then cause that uh, mutation. So your negro cells, uh, can mutate it and then start to replicate it, uh, in a faster rate, uh, fast growing cell, uh, causing to go haywire. Okay. There's other, other things that it could cause this, uh, that actually help uh, with uh, with this, which uh, actually is tumor suppressing gene. Uh, this would kind of help slow down some of these uh, t- uh, tumor cells. Some of them actually help apoptosis kill itself as well, or kind of c- control it. This is some of the ways that your, your body actually controls it. Um, benign versus malignant, uh, benign is nothing wrong with it, not bad. Uh, we put OMA usually uh, at the end uh, of all the cancer, like lipoma, and this is the benign uh, lipid cells um, that actually proliferate to in very fast. Uh, malignant, usually we use the name like carcinoma, um, uh, basal cell carcinoma, using the actual cell, small cell carcinoma um, to describe what that is, what kind of uh, cancer that is. Uh, viruses, usually EBV, again, when in doubt, always pick EBV. Carposis sarcoma it's something you should know. This is, uh, um, herpes virus that actually cause, uh, infection in HIV patients. Very common in HIV. When the immune system is slow, you could actually develop carposis sarcoma. Uh, HPV is ward, could actually lead to, uh, um, different strand, uh, different strand would cause ward. Some strand could actually cause cervical cancer. Uh, virus definitely could cause cirrhosis uh, hep b and hep c um, bacteria less cause of uh, cancer but you could see that with h pyroly like gene mutation uh could be peptic can uh, peptic ulcer, which can lead to um, which could lead to to cancer in in very small amount of people okay um there's other things like genetics genetics play a small role in terms of cancer uh very small usually it has to do with kids uh usually kids will have um is caused by genetics and oftentimes it's fast growing type of cancer usually we talk about the, the brain cancer we talk about the colon cancer can be genetics but that usually account about 10% or so of all cancer the rest of them are uh, put uh, pretty much lifestyle your environmental things that you do to your body, like you're smoking you're chewing tobacco you're chewing things uh causing you to have lung cancer throat cancer uh ovarian cancer all of these are more genetic things uh not not genetics i mean lifestyle things that do you do to your body genetics you could have like uh breast cancer it could be genetics. Uh, speaking of breast cancer, I mean, if you, you could carry a gene for the breast cancer, but doesn't mean you actually will have the breast cancer. Something to remember. A lot of time people, we talk about gene, uh, but we don't talk about gene expression. Uh, so if, if you have the gene, let's say, you know, we just, Recently, just uh, something came out about depression that they found depression and alcoholism in a gene. Uh, you could have a, uh, alcoholism and depression in the gene, but if you never touch an alcohol, you never express it, if you actually don't make yourself feel bad, or you don't have stress in your life, or you actually deal with stress positively, then you won't have this disease. Okay, so uh, you could carry a gene for breast cancer, but if you don't express it, you you don't do anything bad to your body causing you to express those genes, you will not have to have that disease. So that's something to keep in mind. Teach your patient these things as well, uh, because a lot of people have this negative connotation. If uh, if I have gene for certain things, I will get those things. No, not necessary. Okay. alcohol consumption could lead to cancer definitely esophageal cancer we can talk about that later on and also uh, talk about you know um the uh, the barrett's esophagitis and that's basically causing from drinking too much alcohol uh, nutrition definitely one of the biggest thing for nutrition and cancer is uh is food uh it's sugar okay sugar can cause cancer. We know this for quite a bit of time since 1970 and 80s. We know sugar is bad for you. Too much sugar could actually definitely cause cancer and a whole bunch of other diseases. Um, it's the cause of everything in terms of, can- uh, of of sugar, okay? So too much consumption of sugar could definitely lead to all of these. Uh, what is the too much consumption? The FDA for sugar is pretty much, um, about 9 gram or so, basically, uh, about 12, 13 teaspoon approximately. And you actually get that from one can of Pepsi. Yep. So one can of Pepsi will give you the whole day worth of sugar that you need. Anything more than that could actually cause cancer, okay, could cause other things, obesity, all kinds of things as well, okay. Obesity and cancer, this is one of the the higher link of things. Uh, you, if you, uh, the the higher the BMI you go, the more likely you will have cancer. You don't even have to go this far. You don't even have to look at your BMI. All you do need to know is you look at your, uh, your waist versus your height. Your waist versus your height. Okay. So whatever your waist is, so you make sure by inches around your belly. Okay, measure by inches around your belly. So let's say your belly is um, uh, let's let's say is um, thirty-two inches. Okay, thirty-two inches, uh, thirty-two inches, and you multiply that by two, you're gonna get uh, sixty-four inches, right? Sixty-four. So that's you convert that sixty-four into into your height. Six sixty-four inches is five foot four. So 32 inches waist. Uh, if you are five foot four, you need to have your waist less or equal to amount of of that of 32 uh, of 32 inches. Okay. So if you are let's say seven uh, six foot tall, six foot tall is would be 72 inches. 72 inches divided by two, you get 36 inches. So basically, if you, if you are six foot tall, you have your waist should be 36 uh, inches or less. So anything above that, definitely you have a higher risk for everything obesity, diabetes, uh, heart problem, hypertension, cholesterol issue, and also death as well. They did this study show a clear distinction. Um, just a basic, simple, simple t- uh, calculation could actually know whether you're actually at li- at risk for these diseases, okay um, So this obesity definitely will promote the insulin growth factor one. Causing all kinds of problem, disrupt your sleep as well. So if you have less sleep, um, in- interestingly, if you have too much sleep, your life will be shorter. If you have shorter sleep, your life to be sh- also be shorter as well. So you need to have a optimum sleep between six to eight hours. So if you live sleep less than six, let's say you sleep at five or four hour, that's not not good. No bueno. Uh, you could die sooner if you sleep more like nine to ten hours you could die faster as well so either way you're gonna well either way we're gonna die but uh, if you want to prolong your life you need to do all these things okay physical activity clearly clearly show if you move if you don't move at all, especially a lot of us in quarantine, uh, these staying at home stuff, if you don't move at all, definitely you're gonna have more of a problem. You're gonna end up with cancer, obesity and cancer, other things. You do need to move, uh, especially colon cancer, we talked about that. If you don't move, that's definitely you have higher risk of that. Okay. Uh, radiation, definitely, that's why we only recommend one x-ray a year, one CT a year not sure you know but uh, one ct is equal to about 200 x-rays one ct scan is equal to 200 x-rays so you don't want to tell your patient oh yeah let's get ct scan about three or four times a year you're going to give them bone cancer for sure if they don't have any cancer before they will have one okay so limit to those uh ultraviolet radiation you guys live uh, if you live in in Maris, uh in arizona you know this by heart uh the too much sunlight could definitely uh, could uh, could cause skin cancer um so the sun here in arizona is actually five times stronger than the in chicago so uh you really need to protect yourself your your skin okay other chemicals that could could kill you would be uh, asbestos um, you know, and uh, other things like benzol, benzene is actually in your uh in your um plastics. Um if you actually use plastic like especially a five gallon water cooler, five gallon thing that you actually order from uh Arrowhead and places like that. Um that could give you benzene and that could disrupt your hormone, could have hormone disruption, could cause uh, all kinds of problem like infertilities, uh you know PMS and other things as well so keep that in mind. heavy metals that's a whole different story uh, long story that could link with um, link with environmental medicine so all of this if you guys are interested we could talk I could talk to you more about in a different videos or different time uh, regarding environmental medicine let me know in the comment below I'll be more than happy to go into those a lot more Okay. Pollution uh, definitely could cause cancer. Um, people who, uh, especially um, for those of you who don't keep up with the news, there's p- something called PM2.5. Uh, there's a um, PM stand for uh, particle molecule. 2.5 this is the size of the molecule is very small uh, usually the molecular mass you, where it doesn't actually contain those. Uh, a lot of country that actually uh, use a chemical factory uh, they actually have a lot of smog uh, the problem actually become prominent in the country that around the equators, in Asian countries as well where does not have a lot of smog and pollution. Uh, when you have a lot of smog and pollution you can actually lead to a lot of uh lung cancer and other things um if you're interested, there's actually tons of videos on YouTube that regarding uh the p m two point five uh regarding the the city in China and India where you 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 walk you it kind of like feel like a little uh fog, but it's not fog it's actually smog um all these particles actually get into your lung they they sick and die or oh, tons of people actually get sick from it because they can't even breathe um normally so Pollution is getting worse in the, uh, in in our world. So, uh, children and cancer again has to do with uh, brain cancer, leukemia. Those are the most common ones, uh, and we'll talk more about those shortly. Okay. Staging on cancer, you should know this. Put a little uh, mark on this. Uh, stage one, two, three, and four. One is pretty much in that original or uh, origin. Two is kind of going to the neighbor cells. Uh, Three is start invading that whole entire region and then four is everywhere. So you should definitely know one through four will be able to classify and stage that. Uh, No, also know this as well, you're gonna see this on your final exam, signs and symptoms of cancer. Usually you have pain in a later stage, the early stage you usually don't have pain. The most common uh, symptom is fatigue fatigue is the most common common symptoms um, other other things you could be anemic you could have leukopenia as well okay and other GI effects as well like uh, diarrhea constipation all of those things could come with you a uh, certain type of cancer okay we'll stop here and we'll continue in the next video uh, I'll see you next video now let's talk about aplastic anemia we're gonna go into a whole slew of uh, different type of um, uh, Different type of anemias and also remember What is the aplastic anemia? If you remember from a few video back uh, Is the normal acidic type of anemias, okay? So your MCV and MCH is completely they are normal uh, MCV is normal and also MCH is normal and there's a reason for that. And I'm going to cover that shortly, okay? We're going to talk about uh, different treatment as well uh, with aplastic anemias, uh, most often time is, um, is chemo's, uh, chemotherapies, so, okay? So the first, before we go into talk about uh, leukemia, okay? this is a type of aplastic anemia, which is leukemia. This is something I want you to remember. Uh, There's actually four classification of leukemia that you need to know, okay, four classification. Uh, and the full classification actually divide into two couple, uh, couple of things. This is uh, the chart that I show you very beginning of this PowerPoint. Okay, uh, you have two, th- two cells, uh, the myeloid stem cells and the lymphoid stem cells, myeloid versus uh, lymphoid. Okay, uh, so your stem cell could divide into one of these two, it could be myeloid or lymphoid. Myeloid then goes into, could go into the red blood cells, could then go into the platelets, neutrophils, monocytes, which can convert to macrophage, uh, eosinophil, and basophils, okay. Lymphoid only plain and simple. You have B cells and T cells, and also you have uh, natural killer cells also with this, okay. So the first type you're going to see is acute versus chronic. Acute is referring to that uh, the changes happen here at this level okay early on in the developmental of the cells okay as you see this graph as as the further it comes down the more function the cell actually have the resemblance to the normal cell okay the more function that they will have kind of getting closer to that normal cell so, if they, if these early cells, uh, become cancerous cells, become crazy cell, then they won't have the normal function that they supposed to have. Okay. So, acute folks, when we talk about acute, uh, all of the acute leukemias, they actually have, uh, more Severe type of symptoms. Their symptoms will become much more severe because their cells are less resemblance of the normal cell. They have less function like the normal cells. So keep that in mind. Acute in this case doesn't mean just quick, doesn't just come on suddenly. It does as well. Uh, it comes on pretty quickly and it usually a uh, very small amount of time. Whereas chronic takes years. But then chronic also referring to that. These cells have more resemblance because they allow them to develop into different uh, further down the road, uh, so they have more of the resemblance of the normal function. So they could carry some of those normal functions that they're supposed to do. Okay, so keep that in mind. So, acute, severe symptoms, chronic, less symptoms. Okay, the other classification you have is the myeloid, like I mentioned, myeloid versus lymphoid. So, myeloid. If you have a uh, myeloid type, you could see how many cell could be affected. And there's more of a variety of cells that could be uh, affected. Okay, the lymphoid type usually um, affects only two cell: B cells and T cells. And majority of time, majority of the time is going to be the B cells. Majority of the time is going to be cells. So when when in doubt, always pick B cells. Okay, when in doubt, always pick B cells. So what happened with uh, with leukemia leukemia hap- happened in your bone marrow so let's let's look at this here if you were prete- uh, if you were to cross section we cut out your bone marrow in your bone and uh, your long bone if you were to cut out your long bone this is what it looks like okay you're going to see that uh the red is for the red blood cells the white is for the white blood cells the yellow is for the platelets okay so normal cell you see the normal cell there but when you see this, you're actually seeing the uh, the purple cell. These purple cells are the crazy cell. Just think of them like the minions, uh, the despicable me. That when it actually turned into the little purple evil minions and then multiply like crazy this is what happened with with uh, leukemia uh, is actually just kind of jam-packed into your bone like this it's jam-packed into your bone so as it's packed into your bone you're going to have bone pain and some of them leaks out into your blood as well okay we're going to see uh to re- um with leukemia i don't want you to kind of remember just the symptom of them because there's a a long list of symptoms just kind of i want you to think it through think it through and then you should be able to come up what kind of symptom you will see because all all of the leukemias all the lymphomas actually have the same symptoms exactly the same symptom lymphoma leukemias uh, it's really almost pointless to remember all of them but just kind of think of the general gist of what kind of things that you expect to see with these things okay so for instance if it's um for these bone marrow, bone marrow usually produce uh, a few things. The first one would be red blood cells, the second one is white blood cells, and then the third one is platelet, uh, like these guys. Okay, so these are the three main things. So normally they will produce this. With leukemia, you cannot produce them. You can actually don't have that production so what happened if you don't have the red blood cells production what kind of symptom do you think you will have if you have a lower red blood cells you don't have enough red blood cells in your body what kind of things that you will see okay so things that you see like anemia pale fatigue shortness of breath weak loss of appetite because you don't want to eat anything weight loss uh, night sweat then why do you have night sweat Imagine this if you don't have a lot of red blood cells. So your oncotic pressure goes down. Remember from uh, week two, your oncotic pressure, you have less stuff inside your blood. Your oncotic pressure goes down. Your hydrostatic pressure goes up. Your water in your blood, you have more water inside your blood. Therefore, the water gonna travel from high to low. So you're gonna see that water come out, leaks out off of your blood. So therefore you're gonna have nice sweat, okay? So keep that in mind. So just kind of think it through, you should be able to come up with this. Um, Next one, which is WBC, white blood cells, Uh, if you don't have white blood cells, what kind of symptom would you have? If you don't have white blood cells, you're going to have infection, you're going to have fever, you're going to have frequent infection, pretty plain and simple. If you don't have platelets, uh, how about you don't have platelets, if you don't have platelets you're going to bleed like these, you're going to have purpura, you're going to have you're gonna bleed everywhere, you have purple spot, bruising, because you don't have platelets, so things gonna leak out. And also, again, you can also have bone pain, because these kind of, these guys are packing into your bone, um, left and right like this, you really jam pack, so your bone, you're gonna have bone pain. One thing to keep in mind, your, R, your WBC may rise, your uh, white count will actually rise, because they produce these uh, crazy stuff coming out, uh, with these crazy uh crazy cell cancer cells uh when you when we do the testing it looks like in the wbc it looks like you know those guys that's supposed to what they're supposed to be but not quite so your wbc may may rise Okay, you do, do, those levels may rise, but in actuality, even though the level is li- rising, but you are, in fact, you usable, your actual real cell are very, very low. Your, your real white blood cells are really low because you have all these cells that you can really use okay, as a real thing. So keep that in mind. So the first one we're going to talk about is the myeloid, we talked about myeloid already, so myeloid disorder, so that's going to be AML and uh, C, uh, CML, okay, AML and CML, so acute uh, myelogenous leukemia and, acu- uh, and chronic um, myelogenous leukemia. So we'll, we'll start with the first one, which is AML. Uh, AML usually in the older adults, 65 and above, and usually you're going to see, plain and simple, this is the plain thing you need to remember, it's actually going to have our rod, our rod, okay? Uh, if you see this, if you see this on, on the exam, uh, anywhere they mention it, that's mean they have AML, okay? So, again, AML, 65 and above, usually, um, but... You can see here, exposure to benzene, benzene again is in your plastics, Uh, you you, uh, use a lot of plastic stuff. Uh, We don't recommend putting plastic bottles, especially in the car, uh, for a long period of time because it's off-gassing and if you look at all of your water bottle, it's only tell you to use only one time, you use, reuse them. you're going to get all of these lovely chemicals in your body. Okay, um, You're going to see in a little triangle, if you look at all any plastic, you're going to see this triangle. The lower the number is, the, the worse it is. So if, usually water bottles actually have one, like one of those arrowhead or um, any bottled water, you actually have one, you're supposed to drink it and throw it away. If you reuse those, you're going to get those chemicals into your blood. Okay, the higher number like now gene like if you use now gene bottles uh, usually that's be like seven uh, so higher number you have um, uh, those those uh, those higher number is actually less chance of uh, off, off gas um, but long-term use you can as well okay so our rod looks like this little rod uh, next picture you could see here these are the proteins protein that create by your uh, when your cell gone crazy, when your cell become cancer, you will see these things. So when you see this, when they mention the word owl rot, you know it's AML. Uh, next one is ALL. ALL is acute lymphoblastic leukemia. This is uh, lymphoblastic, remember that's the, um, the the lymphocytes, folks, the B cells and T cells. And most of the time, it's always go with B cells. Okay, 85% the B cells, only 15% are T cells. So uh, when, in doubt, when in doubt, always pick B cells. Um, ALL is uh, the most common childhood leukemia um, and one of the most common cancer for kids. If you actually work in peeps, you see this all the time, you see children coming in with, uh, with ALL. Something you should remember is they have a high survival rate. And I know, I know, some of you uh, worked in peeps unit. Uh, Pick you or nick you, and you are like no. I see this. uh, I say I see them die all the time. Those the one that you see them die usually is only about twenty percent or so or less. Uh, Most of the time, uh, the treatment works pretty well. The the chemo and the uh, radiation oftentimes works. Okay, Um, the rare cases like those twenty percent usually you try the chemo and the radiation. Those doesn't work that's when you do the viral therapy. One of the uh, most interesting uh, treatment that come recently is the viral therapy by using the HIV virus. Uh, we strip out the DNA inside of HIV and then we modify the DNA and we put that in and we inject it into the, these kits. And um, if they survive the first week, they will have really they have a lot of flu-like symptoms, uh, really bad flu, uh, the temp, uh, spiking temps, the temps go up really high. Uh, if they survive that, uh they will be cancer free usually okay Um uh, according to the, the research that that's going on majority of um patient actually have a positive treatment uh... with these uh... hiv or viral therapy uh, unlike unlike any other type of therapy uh, like, uh, like chemo or radiation that you have to go back in every uh... every now and then uh... viral therapy you do it one time and that's it uh... you just IV it in and just wait in prayer and see what happened okay? So that's ALL, that's something you should remember. Uh, Next one is the, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, CML, CML, so chronic myelogenic leukemia, okay, chronic. So the key term for chronic CML is uh, is Philadelphia chromosome. This is the key term that you should know. Usually this is in the adult age, 25 to 60 years old, uh, uh, Philadelphia chromosome. This is a transposition of chromosome nine and 22. What does that mean? Whoa, fancy term, transposition, basically switching tails. All you have to just think of is switch tails. You they switch chromosome nine, switch tail with chromosome 22, voila, okay? So uh, this is usually caused by, you know, radiation, things like that. x-ray radiation anything that could cause cancer benzene again um, chemicals that could actually cause this trans cancer treatment war could actually cause this okay Uh, there's three phases there's chronic accelerate and then blast crisis phase chronic takes a while four to five years or so blast crisis uh, very similar to AML, acute myelogenous leukemia. So looks a lot, uh, same symptom will present like an AML. Uh, you could see trans, uh, translocation of the two switching tails, basically from nine and 22. And last one is CLL, CLL usually in the older folks, uh, something you do remember is just older folks. Uh, and this one, then you, you're gonna see what we call basket cells. Basket cells or smush cells. Basket cells, smush cell. Again, these are the worst prognosis of all. Uh, usually, uh, not as not as good as the other three. Okay, um, so you should remember a classic sign for each one. Like you know, uh, what is in CML uh, Philadelphia chromosome, uh, AML, uh, owl rod, uh, ALL. That's for kids usually, um, and then CLL is basket cell or smush cells. Okay. Next one is polycythemia vera. Polycythemia vera. Uh, this is means does mean you have too much red blood cells. Uh, poly means many uh, many cells in your blood, too much red blood cells. So, something to remember. Um, you're going to see this on your exam, so know this. Uh, you're going to have hyperviscosity. That means your, your blood is very thick. Uh, we could use blood thinner, uh, but. Still doesn't really effective, so most of the time you're gonna do blood letting. you f do for, for the phlebotomy where you ask them to come in once a month or twice a month to let out their blood. Uh, to you know just uh, donate, not not donating because um, we can't really use their blood. Uh, so we t- let uh, let it out for a pint or so, and then uh, they will help them with their disease. One of the things you're gonna see is they're gonna become pruritus, become itchy during uh, warm bath or shower. You're gonna see you have these red complex or rudy complex uh, This called rudy complexion, these red faces you could see right after shower or so okay. something to remember, if you want to watch this video uh, it's very catchy, very corny as well uh, that song going to stick in your head for a long long time Okay. we'll continue next one, the next video okay so let's talk about next one, next one you're going to see here uh, is gonna do with multiple myeloma multiple myeloma so something to keep in mind multiple myeloma happens here at the bottom here in the plasma cells okay with the plasma cells with multiple myeloma what you're gonna see is you're gonna see hypercalcemia which is one of the most important things is because they actually with this disease it eats away your bone it eats away your bone, and it's going to dump all of those calcium into your blood. And what, when that happens, you're going to end up with renal failure. There's, you're going to form a stone, renal stone, causing the clot, and then you're going to have renal failure quite often time. So lytic bone mean you're actually uh, breaking away the bone all the time. Uh, one of the key terms that you should know is called punch-out lesion. Punch-out lesion, when you take an x-ray, which you'll see in the next few slides, uh, you bone actually have holes everywhere, holes everywhere, so-called punch-out region. The other one that you're going to see, if you do a blood smear, you're going to see something called ruru. rule means rolls of coins. You're going to see your red blood cells stick together into a rolls of coin. okay? Huh, ESR does mean you have lots and lots of inflammation everywhere. You have tons of inflammation, okay? ESR, when you see ESR elevated, uh, that mean you have inflammation, okay? CRP, EHR, ESR, this this is a set rate, okay, um, set rate, so high level of set rate, high level of CRP, that's mean you have inflammation, okay? So keep that in mind. So with multiple myelomas, a key terms, one of the key terms you should know is called benz protein. You're gonna find these Benz-Jone protein in your blood, okay? With these multiple myeloma, they produce the Benz-Jone protein. So that's a keyword, one of definitely keyword I would remember for your three P exam also for your tests. Okay? Bench John protein, um, punch out lesion, you could see how it have holes here, punch out lesions, and um okay. We talk about punch out lesion, could be anywhere in the long bone, okay. One of the things, uh, if you have time, I you know you I would love for you to watch this video called uh, Killing Cancer. Uh, it's produced by Vice. Uh, this is a few years back. Uh, so this is a technology where we do a viral therapy. Okay, uh, viral therapy. This is one of the um, more successful viral therapy as well. Most often time with my, multiple myeloma, you have about two to five year expectancy. People will die within about two to five years. Um, usually, we see very few people last more than five years. Very few. So this is very aggressive type of cancer. Um, and what we have done with the viral therapy is, um, we use the viral therapy to actually attack uh, the virus. Um, and it should turn up to be about um, 60 to uh, 60, 65 to 65 uh, percent or so of the patient actually have recovery, full recovery. Uh, to the point that they actually recover the bone as well. The bone actually start to grow back, and you uh, prevent these holes from happening. 65 to 85, I don't remember specific numbers, but you're uh, welcome to watch that video. Uh, what What is that number significant? Uh, if you actually talk to oncologists, most oncologists, if you are literally good, literally, really good, really, really good, darn good oncologist, you, your survival rate for your patient could go up to about 15%. Yes, 15%, so that means 85% of your patients often die. Uh, so when we treat cancer patient, the odd is not actually on your side, the odd is actually against you. So most often time, if you treat the cancer patient, most often time that patient actually do not survive. Uh, so when we see any therapy that actually have a better treatment, a better, really high efficacy, above 50%, we really uh, feel good about that therapy, especially in this case, uh, that you know the, the the research early research showed that it actually become very helpful. Again, it's pretty much similar to the one that I mentioned with leukemia. They actually um, genetically modify the virus. Um, I forgot which specific virus that they use, but I think it's uh, influenza. But uh, they inject that in, and also uh, the the virus actually go attack these uh, these cells, these fast growing cells these multiple myeloma cells and then cause them to die and then your body eventually recover okay so this is what Loru is you could see in the coin the rolls of coin looks like coins uh, just being tossed there so that's a classic sign this is the only disease that you will see that next one is lymphoma lymphoma what is lymphoma this is the um, this is not in your bone this is actually in your lymph node this is the cancer of your lymphocyte in your lymph node again you could have B cells and T cell but majority is B cells yes Um, when in doubt always pick B cells majority of them essentially B cell so so this is not in your bone completely not in your bone It's actually B cells and T cells but not in your bone It's actually in your lymph node not in your bone okay keep that in mind so first uh, there are two types of lymphoma there's Hodgkin lymphoma and non-Hodgkin lymphoma What's the difference between the two? The difference is this word here, underline this word, Reed-Sternberg cell. Hodgkin has a Reed-Sternberg, non-Hodgkin, no Reed-Sternberg cell, plain and simple. Reed-Sternberg, Hodgkin, non-Reed-Sternberg cells, non-Hodgkin, okay? So keep that in mind, those are the two differences uh, between uh, between the lymphoma, the two different types of lymphoma. So Hodgkin lymphoma, you have B cells, uh, usually is viral again, guess what virus would this be? You guessed it, is EBV, okay, Epstein-Barr virus, again, okay. Um, High survival rate is actually B-cell lymphoma, Uh, high survival rate, uh, this is one of the most successful therapy uh, that we have. Uh, If you have Hodgkin lymphoma, more likely you will survive, 83% of patients actually survive uh, past five years, so great, great news. Usually you have these what we call painless lymphadenopathy, painless lymphadenopathy, so your lymph node become bigger but don't have any pain. You're going to have other symptoms like very similar to uh, leukemia symptoms, fever, weight loss, night sweat. Again, when you do the smear, you're going to see the Reed-Sternberg cell. Reed-Sternberg cell looks like this. Your normal lymphocyte looks like this. You could see in the Lee, Reed-Sternberg looks like you are your B cells just attached onto one another. Two or three of them attached into one. That's called Reed-Sternberg cells. Okay. So those are Reed-Sternberg cells right there. Um, the offset of uh, Hodgkin lymphoma is called Burkitt's lymphoma. Burkitt's is another type of Hodgkin lymphoma. Okay. Hodgkin lymphoma, very highly aggressive B cells. Again, it's EBV the key term to this is um, you have the African Burkitt's lymphoma African Burkitt's you're going to have a tumor uh, mass in your maxilla and mandible maxilla and mandible so you're going to see this little protrusion of the maxilla of the cheek and also the jawbone okay there's also sporadic Burkitt's lymphoma sporadic Burkitt's lymphoma those are rare and you oftentimes see a mass in your abdominal cavity so abdominal organs the key terms, another key terms to remember is called starry sky pattern. When you when we do smear, you're going to see the starry sky pattern. You're going to see these white little dots. It looks kind of like the stars in the sky. So that's why when, when the scientists look at this and they are like, wow, look at that, tons of stars. Let's call it starry sky pattern. Okay, so it looks like a little star in the sky. So this is Burkitt's lymphoma, starry sky pattern. So again, read Sternberg is for um, for Hodgkin lymphoma uh, Burkitt's lymphoma very, there is, is also Hodgkin lymphoma there's, and has reached sternberg cells as well but more specifically they actually have these starry sky pattern, these do- lipid droplets, lipid droplets that actually double up around the around the cells so that's how we tell the difference and also you're gonna see the symptom where you have the African Burkitt. you have the the, the protrusion of the, the maxilla and mandible that's also another difference okay the rest is pretty much the same the other one is non-Hodgkin lymphoma NHL not the National Hockey League this is non-Hodgkin lymphoma so it has to do with B cells for the most part also including T cells and natural kill cells uh, but again when in doubt always pick B cells most of them are B cells okay this is more severe type if you have non-Hodgkin you actually have more severe type uh, the survival rate is a lot lower than comparing to Hodgkin lymphoma. Remember Hodgkin, you could, 83% will survive, uh, five years, this one, uh, much, much lower. Uh, we'll talk about all of these here, so only 59% or so, okay? Um, the symptoms are a lot more uh, quickly progressed than Hodgkin, symptoms uh, symptom are actually a lot worse than Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, treatment, you, we often time use rituximab actually as treatment. Uh, what this does is actually kill the cells uh, but the problem is this doesn't distinguish between your cells and also the bad cells, the B cells, so it actually will kill every cell. So the side effect you can see here, just little t- tiny side effects, sudden death that could have happened. So what what happened with this is they actually poke a hole, it's just a very like complement system that you learn, the complement where you poke a hole into the cell so this one does the same thing, actually poke a hole every single cell, so it's causing the cell to lyse and die, okay? So this one, lack of reese Sternberg, so they don't have reese since it's non-Hodgkin lymphoma, NHL, non-Hodgkin, you don't have reese Sternberg. So this case study, what I want you to do is to answer them right below here in the comment. Uh, t- tell me what is the diagnosis, what is the disease, type down what the disease is, do you think that they actually have. Read this, uh, read this case study and write down what do you think? What kind of uh, what kind of disease is this that we just mentioned? Okay. Same thing with this one, case study two. Write down on your comment down below. Tell me what it what actually it is. What kind of disease do you think this is? Okay. Write diagnosis down below. And we'll start with the next video shortly. Now let's talk about the platelet and clotting disorder. A lot of time when we talk about platelet, people cringe like, "Oh no, uh, but we'll try to make i'll try to make this a little easy for you to remember and hopefully you understand this. You do need to understand the concept of platelet and clotting very very huge on in terms of hematology and also for your study and for your three p exam and for this class okay so the first one to understand platelets um okay to understand platelets so pretend this is your blood vessel you have this blood vessel here and let's say someone poke a hole uh, from your blood vessels okay the very first thing that is going to happen which is actually not on here the first thing that actually happen is called vasodilation vasodilation that's mean your blood vessel actually dilating okay your blood vessel dilate up and there's several ways we do this there's actually three different chemicals so we do this um, Thromboxane, uh, we use Thromboxane um, PG2, actually uh, Thromboxane A2, that's one way to actually dilate the blood vessels. Serotonin, we also use serotonin that also dilates the blood vessels. Um, uh, we also use, uh, could causing the neurogenics as well as sending the nervous system to relax your, your area of the injury of your blood vessel, So actually open up and then uh, bring in more blood to that area so that's uh, that's first thing that happened is called vasodilation bringing more blood to the area so it actually could stop the clot Second thing that's happened is called something called platelet pluck so all these platelets can actually go pluck up uh, the hole okay I want you to think of platelets are like boulders uh, when you have a dam okay when you have a dam you actually make if you were to make a dam by yourself, you probably gonna use boulders, rocks, huge rocks. So that's what platelet is, is like. It's like a huge rocks that comes together and stick it up here. But wait a minute, back up the truck. How does this happen? Normally, your platelet is doesn't stick together as when they float down this uh, this river of blood. It doesn't stick together. Why all of a sudden uh, when this there's a hole here, cause your platelet to actually stick together? And the answer to that, something you should remember, put put in your head, the reason that these platelet actually stick together is collagen. Collagen, okay. Collagen is the one that activate the platelet. So collagen, we have collagen around your blood vessel on the outside of your blood vessel everywhere. Okay, you have collagen everywhere around outside of your blood vessel. When your blood vessel become leaks, when you come open, you activate that collagen that collagen activate the platelet and then platelet become very very sticky and they become sticky we're going to talk more about that later on called von willebrand factor the von willebrand factor is being activated cause your platelet to become sticky they stick on top of one another like a boulder like this okay so normally without this collagen your platelet is not activated it just flows smoothly nicely in your blood okay uh, there's a problem when your platelet actually become activated and um, causing a clot. Then that become a problem. But most often time, the only time that you will activate the platelet is collagen. So this process again we call platelet pluck. Platelet pluck. The second thing happen is, um, well, the boulder is nice, but you, when you put tons of big rocks together, there's actually holes between them. There's holes between them, so the boulder is not the only answer solution that we look for. So there's, there must be other solution that we can kind of pluck that's tiny little hole. So this, imagine if you're a beaver, you're actually trying to build a dam. Uh, you have these tiny little holes between these big huge rocks, and water still leaks through. Blood, your blood still leaks through. So therefore, what you're going to need is you're going to need like uh, dirt or clay to actually pluck up those holes, uh, so a straw or dirt or clay. So in you in the case of your blood, your blood builds something called fibrin fibrin it's a little straw technically fibrin is one strand, and you actually stick them together like this to make a long chain of this protein. Fibrin is just a protein chain uh, that actually cause uh, that we put it in like a little tiny straw um like hay, you actually put it dirt and hay between your. Uh, between your rocks to actually stop the leaking of those dams, okay? So this is what you do. This is what our body actually does to respond to, uh, to, to bleeding, okay, to bleeding. So, so you need vasodilation, you need plated plug, and you need fibrin to, to stop the bleeding, okay? Very easily done. Now we're gonna focus on fibrin uh, for a second, okay? We're gonna go, focus on fire this is the easy part this is people usually don't have a problem with this the, the the hard part is the fibrin uh, how how do we get fibrin okay with with fibrin ah, this is called the clotting cascade if you remember called clotting cascade okay there are two cl- clotting cascade uh, you guys could watch video on YouTube there's tons of video, but it's very confusing I'm gonna give you a low down version simple version there are two types of clotting cascade one is called intrinsic, the other one called extrinsic, okay? Intrinsic pathway, extrinsic pathway. S- simply put, intrinsic mean inside, extrinsic mean outside. Oftentimes, you damage your cells on the inside all the time, okay? When you have your blood vessel, you damage that from the inside. Movement of your body, your joints const- continually move all the time, all day long. When you move your joint, you bend those blood vessels, and oftentimes you keep bending it, you're gonna damage it somehow from the inside. So you have this process continuously to pluck those holes throughout your whole body that causing those tears, let, let the tears, let's say. You have these tears inside your blood vessel all the time, and this is what happened, okay? So the first part, we already know, we talked about the collagen activating the platelet plug. Okay. I'm going to put this plain and simple. Um, if you could count back from 12, you will know this. You will definitely know this. You could count back from 12. So first number from 12 is 12, right? 12. So this is Roman one, stand for 12, 10, 2, 12, okay? Next number, what's after 12, or what's before 12 is 11, ah, easy, right, 12, 11. Before we go to, what's the next number? 10 right 10 let's skip that let's put that down further so what's after 10 10 after 10 is 9 right 9 then it goes to 10 so scientists can't really count so they just mix them up so you have 12 you have 11 you have 9 then you have 10 what's after 9 so we already have 9 and 10 what's after 9 then is 8 8 actually goes with 9 8 and 9 goes together and then 10, was half of 10 is 5. So half of 10 is 5. So you have 10 divided by 5. You get 2 right here. You get 2. And 2 then goes to 1. You're like, whoa, whoa, what does all this mean? What does this mean is that you have these uh, clotting factor floating around your blood. All the time, you have these factors that actually floating in your blood all the time. Remember, in your plasma, there's other stuff, like I mentioned, there's other stuff that floating in there, uh, other factors actually floating in there, and this is one of them. You have the clotting uh, cascade of factor that floating around, these protein floating around all the time. Most of the time it's inactive stage, inactive stage. So this it means it's not working. When you have the platelet plug, when the platelet become activated. The platelet plug then activate the inactive 12 to become active 12. The active 12 then go activate the inactive 11 to become active 11, so on and so forth. 11 then go activate it uh, 9, inactive 9 to become active. 9 also activated the 8, 8 also become active. 8 and 9 then activate the 10, 10 to become active, then 10 activated 5, 5 and 10 together then activated to 2 two then activated one. All of this in actuality they do have name, all of them do have name, scientists like to name them and number them so and they go crazy with that but for the sake of your tests and for the sake of this class and for your knowledge you don't need to know the name. The only name you need to know are these two right here. The precursor to this guy which is an inactive form is called prothrombin, the uh, the inactive form for fibrin is called fibrinogen fibrinogen become fibrin, Throm- uh, prothrombin become thrombin, so all of the, the names that you need to know are these two names that you definitely need to know, the rest you don't need to know, okay? Just know them as number, and you just count them as number, um, pretty easy to remember, it's 12, 11, 10 below, and then you go nine, eight, five, two, and one, okay? That's the inter- intrinsic pathway, There, there you go, okay? Intrinsic pathway. Next is the extrinsic pathway. Okay, you're gonna start with tissue factor. This is something you want to pay attention. Tissue factor three. This is the number three. Like I said, every number has a name. This is another one that has a name. This is called tissue factor. Uh, it's actually factor three. So three. Okay. Three plus what equals to ten? Three plus what equals to ten? And the answer is seven. So factor seven that will go then activate the factor 10 so tissue factor 3 will activate tissue factor 7 7 then activate goes to 10 and then go to 2 and 1 just like that that's another factor called factor 13 that you should know as well when you make fibrin which is factor 1 you need to put fibrin together bind them together remember it has to be a long chain a protein uh, in order to make that long chain of protein, you need factor 13 to actually bind them together to creating a straw, creating a long chain of protein, so that factor 13. So factor uh, fibrin cannot work by itself. It's just tiny little length, little straw, doesn't do anything. In order for them to work, you, they, you need to combine them into several fibrin together into the long chain, and that's when you need factor 13 to do so okay so keep that in mind so this is one part that you do need to remember the second part you need to remember is this part here um, this is the positive feedback okay And the easy way to remember it is an odd number you could see here five seven instead of nine you have eight that's the only exception five seven eight eleven and thirteen okay these are positive factors positive feedback what does that mean the more you have factor five the more you have factor seven more you have factor eight 11 and 13 the more you will produce fibrin plain and simple so the more you see these guys the more you will have a fibrin so this is to promote uh continuing to promote fibrin. and these are what we call the um exponential type Uh, so that means you only need one factor to activate the cascade think of it like um, dominoes effect, where you only push down one dominoes, but you could actually create a whole entire room of dominoes to fall down, uh, So, and you want to create more and more, and this is what happened with the positive effect, a positive feedback, is you only need one of these guys to go up, or some of these guys to go up, to create more fibrin. On contrary, you actually have a negative feedback. Negative feedback, you have uh, the uh, the ten and two the more 10 and the more two you have, this whole thing will shut down. Okay, something to keep in mind. The more 10 and the more two you have, the whole thing will shut down. So keep that in mind, okay? So before we move on, this is very important. You need to know this. Uh, this is very important concept to understand the clotting factors and the uh, the process of clotting, clotting and clotting factors uh, before we move on. Now that you understand the process of clotting and also understand the clotting cascade, so let's talk about clotting disorders. So the first one that comes to mind is hemophilia. Okay, hemophilia is the first one, very, very first one. Uh, you're gonna see this question asked you all over the place, uh, We especially, we love this kind of question for some weird reason. Uh, hemophilia is kind of rare genetic disorder, very rare in fact. Um, but it's, uh, it's a, it has an X-link uh, recessive. X-link recessive, that means you actually, uh, only majority of people who have this is going to be male, who actually have this, so they are going to be male who have this. So imagine you have the X and the Y, okay, the only one that can carry the chromosome is the X. So the boys will actually get the Y from his dad and then get the X from his mother. So who know people who have hemophilia definitely get their disease actually from mom okay mom has to have let's say a small a so in in order for you to have this disease you need to have one small at least one small letter for the boys okay and for girls you need to have two small letters so the x and uh, the x and the x you actually have to have two small letters on them xa and uh, xa lowercase on both on both letters so for girls in order for girls to have this you need to have one gene from the mom and one gene from, from the dad does mean the mom is a uh, carrier or could have this disease or the dad also uh, have this disease so the uh, so if the uh, if the daughter the, if the patient is a daughter actually have this disease but the dad doesn't have disease that's not her dad um, must be from the mailman or from the amazon delivery guy or the pool guy okay so in order for the girls to have this has to be both parents uh, and in order for both parents for the for the dad does mean the dad must have hemophilia as well okay so um something to remember definitely for your test to remember there are two types technically three types of hemophilia: as A, B, and C. We usually don't talk about C because it's only five percent and even A and B is already rare as is. So C is rare, completely, literally rare. So, so A is 80 percent for most part and B is 15 percent. So A is A8. So remember A has to do with factor eight and B has to do with factor nine. So A8, B9. A8, B9. So another thing to remember b9 is benign benign doesn't mean actually it's not bad it's actually not as bad as a. a easy way to remember b9 or benign is not as bad as a why is that if you go back to this little chart i actually show you here you look at it the positive feedback here the positive feedback is factor eight which is hemophilia a if they don't have this guy here that's mean you're gonna make less fibrin. That's mean you're gonna have more of a bleeding. Okay. If you're missing factor nine, factor nine is here, but it's not part of the positive feedback. That's mean that factor A could still con- do the driving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Could still control the making of the fibrin, which mean that you're gonna have less of the symptoms of the bleeding itself. Okay. So people who have hemophilia B tends to have less severe of a symptom comparing to people who have hemophilia a okay so the way you remember is b9 or benign doesn't mean they don't have anything at all no but rather they have less severe of a symptom okay so a8 b9 okay so uh what you're gonna see is they're gonna bleed everywhere uh, they oftentimes bleed into their joint very very often Any movement that they made, remember when we move our body, when we move our joint, even when we move our muscle, could cause a bleeding, could cause breakage into your blood vessels. So a lot of times, these guys don't have that clotting factor, so they actually will swell up like this in their joints. Most most often times, the majority of them will actually end up with a joint surgery, a complete joint surgery in their early 20s. Yes, early 20s. So keep that in mind. So if you deal with patient, teenagers who actually have hemophilia, it's something that you might want to break it to them, that more likely they will actually end up with uh, joint uh, like replacement, like, you know, knee replacement, hip replacement, or shoulder replacement uh, in their early 20s, definitely, because it wears down their joint. All of these diseases wear down their joint. They have all of these protein created or bleeding all the time, bleeding into the joint, causing these jo- uh, cartilage to actually de- um, to wor- worn out pretty quickly, okay? So easily bruising, one of the early signs that you could see in kids. Um, something to remember, okay, uh, these labs, these labs. So labs, um, and you're gonna see increase of PTT, increased PTT, something to remember here, huge point that you need to remember is normal pt they are actually going to have normal pt uh, but they're going to have also normal bleeding time bt for bleeding time people are often, often confused with this when we when we say bleeding time this is not how fast they uh, how long they bleed okay they do bleed longer they do bleed longer because they don't have factor 8 or factor 9 they do bleed out longer but their bleeding time in this case is how fast they actually bleed when we test you, uh, we don't poke you and then just wait and see how long you bleed. That would be inhumane. Okay, that's uh, that's the bleeding time. The bleeding time doesn't mean is how long you actually let let we just poke you and let see you how long you bleed. Uh, what bleeding time means is actually how fast you actually bleed out. So these folks, since they still have platelets, platelets are still there. Remember, there's two com- component. One is the platelet. One is the fibrin. Uh, the platelet is there, so the platelet will stop most of the blood, so the, the bleeding time is normal, it's not bleeding out fast, but they just don't have the fibrin, so they actually bleed out longer, okay, they bleed out longer, so it's something to keep in mind. Whereas, oops, what happened? I'm not sure what happened, also, awesome. okay. Okay, so hemophilia A and B again, genetic disorder uh, we will talk about one little event shortly okay uh, testing again you're gonna test PT PTT you are also gonna test testing the clotting factors uh, 89 and, and also you're gonna test out the bleeding time BT bleeding time so bleeding time should be normal okay next one is thrombocytopenia. cytopenia that's mean you have low platelet count so these folks the bleeding time is gonna go up because they don't have the platelets uh, if you have low platelet counts your bleeding time, you're gonna bleed a lot faster and quicker. Okay, so these folks have problem uh, clotting as well. Okay. Uh, the other one is Von Willebrand disease. Von Willebrand disease. This is autosomal dominant. Autosomal dominant, meaning that it's running wild and crazy in the family. So uh, much more common than uh, hemophilia disease. Hemophilia is quite rare but one will run, you see this a lot more because you need only one big letter to actually pass it on so um, to the next person. If you have it, definitely more likely your kids will have it, okay, more likely 50, 50%. If both of your parents have it, you're definitely gonna have it as 100%, guarantee you're gonna have this, okay? Um, so men and women is equal chances, um, very one to 100 to one to a 1,000. So very, very common, you see this all the time with. We just don't diagnose it, so you may not hear about it. So what this is, is you don't have the von Willebrand factor. You don't have this guy here. So remember at the beginning, we talked about how the platelet actually become activated. Once they activate it, they need this factor to become sticky. So once they hit the collagen, when they, touch, they come in touch with the collagen, they actually have activated this factor to for them to become sticky and stick on top of one another. With these people, they don't have this factor, so they cannot stick on top another. So, what does this mean? This means that if you bleed, you cannot, you don't have the platelet, you don't have the boulders to actually stick up, become sticky and stick up the that hole, pluck up that hole, okay? So, these folks will bleed a lot faster, okay? And they will bleed longer as well. Unfortunately, these folks also a lot of time missing the factor eight and nine as well. They also could missing could be this vari- variation of this disease where they could be missing other factors as well, which is making things a lot more complicated. Um, but you could see here is increased PTT. Uh, PT again is normal. Platelet is normal count. They have a normal count platelet, but they don't have the von Willebrand factor. They will have positive von Willebrand antigen. Okay, so they will have positive 1 Willebrand antigen. And your BT, your bleeding time, is actually increased. Bleeding time increased. Whereas the hemophilia, your bleeding time is normal because that's how fast you bleed. How fast you bleed is normal, but you're bleeding faster with this one because you don't have anything to stick together uh, to block down that uh, pathway, that hole. Okay, easy way to remember the differences between PT and PTT. PT is in relationship, so that's two T. PTT is in relationship, so they are intrinsic. they into in to one another, so if you see two T, they are in to one another. They're loving each other, they are in to one another. Uh, PT, one of them left, so one of the T left, say bye-bye, they become exes, they become, they divorce, they actually become exes, so that you only have one T left. Um, nice and lonely there, okay? Uh, another way to remember as well is when you have this X's left, right, so when X's usually you have a lot of war, okay, so extrinsic, PT, warfarin, okay, you fight with your X's all the time, so you have warfarin, okay, warfarin, whereas here you have two T's, uh, you, you know, you in together, you in relationship, so PTT in relationship heparin, so your hip in, your hip is in, into one another, your heparin, okay, your hip is in. So that's how I remember the differences between PTT and PT, uh, pretty good little, if you don't remember that, if you don't know that, you should know it by now, but if you don't, you should know these, uh, that PT has to do with Warfarin and Coumadin, extrinsic pathway, PTT is intrinsic pathway, has to do with heparin, okay, so keep that in mind for both next one we're going to talk about huge idea is DIC disseminated intravascular coagulation this only happen you're probably going to see this in hospital hopefully you're not going to see it in your clinic because it's going to be horrible to see this in your clinic most often time you see this in hospital uh, so what happened is um, from we'll start from the beginning the beginning is actually you're going to have the tissue factor if you remember which pathway is that tissue factor tissue factor is factor three which is extrinsic pathways, okay, extrinsic pathways. So you're going to have a lot of diseases that actually cause your tissue factor to go up. Tissue factor will go activate factor seven, factor 10, then five, and then two and one. So what's going to to happen is you're going to create clotting everywhere in your body. After you have tons of tissue, tissue factor three, okay, you're going to create tons of clotting in your body, and eventually you're going to run out of your clotting. Eventually, you're just gonna start running out of, depleting all of your fibrin, depleting all of your uh, factors. Okay. Once you do that, then you're gonna end up with hemorrhaging. You're gonna see yourself bleeding out. So with the I.C., you're gonna clot and also you're gonna bleed at the same time. Bleed at the same time. So clotting and bleeding at the same time. Which one is worse? Clot- Which one is worse? Clotting or bleeding? Think about that for a second. Which one is worse? worse clotting or bleeding well nothing of none of those are good choices you have to pick one you you don't really want to pick one but the 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 more devil of the two is the clotting if you clot you're going to actually block a lot of blood to your organ you're going to end up with ischemia you're going to end up with multiple and organ failures your organ going to shut down because there's no oxygen going to that organ so either one of these is worse it's really bad but the worst one is clotting so keep that in mind we're gonna talk about that in terms of treatment in just a second causes you could have tons of things like sepsis bacterial infection cancer anything that could cause this even medication could actually lead to this as well anytime you have sepsis and shutting your body is shutting down you're gonna have DIC and when you have DIC no bueno Uh, that's mean one-way ticket usually you can look at here. It's ninety percent mortality rate. That's mean most of the time we can't really do any anything to help them. They're gonna die. Okay. So most of the time, like I said, you're gonna see this in the hospital. You're not gonna see in your clinic. Uh, uh, hope to God. So what you're gonna see is you're gonna see the prothrombin time PT is gonna go up. Okay. Your pre, a PT gonna go up. Your PTT also going up as well. Okay. That's mean you're gonna create trying to create a lot of clotting. Okay, you're going to have these going up, trying to create clotting. Your platelet going to go down. Your fibrinogen going to go down because everything is converting to fibrin. Uh, your platelet, you're using up all your platelets, so your platelet is going to go down. Okay, fibrinogen going to go down because you're converting that all of that to fibrin. The key to remember, the lab to remember, is this one called D-dimer. going to go up. Okay, the only time the D-dimer goes up is this, is DIC. So D-dimer, what is D-dimer? D-dimer is the breakdown products of fibrin. So if you actually break the fibrin down after you use it, you're going to get D-dimer. Same thing with this called fibrinogen, fibrin degradation de- products, FDP. That's when you break down the fibrin down uh to reuse the fibrin to reuse those factor you're gonna see th- tons of these kind of build up that mean you know the the n is coming you actually this is the sign of d i c and this is when you gonna start your treatment, but again the n is coming okay, so keep in mind we look for d dimer we look for f. d. p. to go up so this is where it is. Right here, uh, when you have the fibrin, the clot. When you break down those clot, uh, you're gonna get FDP or D-dimer. Okay. So we, I already covered all of these. Talking about all of these, you guys welcome to read them. So start from tissue factor, that's factor three, then causing the clot, and then eventually you have breaking down these clots, and then you end up with runna- running out of these clotting factors, and eventually you hemorrhage, you bleed everywhere. Okay. in terms of treatment what you need to do you need to think about which one do we treat uh, and again which is the worst of the two the worst of the two is the uh, the clotting so you want to break down the clots so therefore you're going to use uh, heparin or warfarin usually warfarin to break down the clots okay to to break down these clots again it's extrinsic uh, pathway so oftentimes we use warfarin to to break down these clots but then again, if you use warfarin, you thin the blood. Therefore, you gonna they're gonna bleed out more. You're gonna see a lot more hemorrhage. Um, that's not good. Okay. So what is warfarin? Uh, for those you may not know, warfarin we use it for the rat poisoning. Okay, rat poisoning. So if you give you want to get rid of rats and you give this little thing that for rats to come and eat, that's warfarin. Uh, okay. That's warfarin, so guess what's gonna to happen to the rat? Yes, they bleed out and die. They actually die by bleeding out everywhere. Their eyes, their nose, their throat, and their ears gonna have blood coming out. So what is the answer for this? What lab values would you expect to see in a patient who is DIC? The answer is, and I covered this earlier, if you look, go back to look at those slides, the answer is C, okay? The reason I want to show you this, uh, this is a, one of the things that you want to do with your standardized test. Any standardized test doesn't work for our uh, for our test uh, for the class, but works really well for like 3P exam and also your licensing exam. Let's say you read this question is completely no clue, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. yada. It's actually kind of Greek to you. L- break it down in the middle, okay? And stop counting, okay? What, it, what, what do I mean counting? Uh, increased fibrinogen, how many of these actually have increased fibrinogen? Only one. How many no change in fibrinogen? Only one. How many is decreased in fibrinogen? Two. On this side, how many say increase in platelet? Only one say increase in platelet. Uh, how many say no change in platelet? Only one here said no change. How many say decrease in platelet? There are two. Pick the most in, in both categories, so the answer is C okay so works out really well if you could count you could actually get, could get the right answer um, little trick that we that, that are some people actually use in SATE, even MCAT or even in licensing exams so uh, keep that in mind uh, case study uh, hopefully you have these case study if you do uh, I want you to answer them the, under the comment below uh, under the comment below if you do have these case study I want you to answer them on the comment below t- uh, telling me uh, what is the We saw each one actually each one will kind of name in you know, a case study one two three four five there's actually four or five of them so I want you to comment below look at your PowerPoint you should have these I believe you should have these in your PowerPoint uh, if not we could do it in class we'll do it in class if not but if you do have them answer them below below which uh, what kind of disease do you think they are okay Thank you for watching again and I'll see you uh, in class or in the next video. If you like this video, please give a thumb up uh, and then comment down below too as well. Thank you so much.